0: That's great. Thank you, Mike. And I mean thank you for that cuz that just and that just opens up God to teach teach all of us. So thank you for that. So God's whole purpose, his whole purpose when we think about it, okay? And as far back as we can go in our our, our little minds, you know, our finite minds, and as far back as we can go in the Bible, the the furthest that we can go, in one sense, into eternity, is John chapter one, uh, verses one and two. So John chapter one, uh, ver- yeah, John chapter one, verse one says, "In the beginning, <clears throat> the Word." And then it says, "The Word with God." Okay, and we, many times, uh, God has explained to us. That word with is the, word, is the Greek word pros, the P-R-O-S. And that means an affectionate, eternal embrace between the Father and the Son with the Holy Spirit proceeding from both that nothing could disturb or distract. So there's pleasure. You look, we're looking at pleasure right there. And the pleasure there is, the pleasure there is, it's really interesting. In this sense, for us to know that, okay, his pleasure and his purpose are one and the same, and that is to glorify his son who glorified him. And then when we look at that, so that's Genesis 22 and verse 8. God, Abraham, who was the type of the father, saying to Isaac, type of the son, He said, my God will provide himself a sacrifice. God will provide himself a sacrifice. So for us to experience his pleasure, his purpose, because we know that's his son, Father and Son and Holy Spirit. So for us to experience that after the fall and God pre-knowing all of that and his anticipative love and his provenient grace, he knew all of that. He had to provide his son as a sacrifice, first for himself, for himself. So he had to be propitiated, right? So that he could share his son, who's the substitute, who is his, his all his delight and all his pleasure and all his purpose is in him. And there's this exchange, we see this exchange in eternity. And for us to experience it, obviously, when you see John 1, verses 1, uh, we said in the beginning, the word and the word with God and the word God, the same in the beginning with God. And then we see that, again, all things that began to be, began to be in him. Began to be in him. And uh, so when we see that, verses 3 and 4, when we look at that, then Christ had to come out, had to put on humanity to, so, to identify with us. First and foremost, it's a sacrifice for the Father. It's propitiation. So then that he could identify with us. <laughs> and so this is why in Ephesians 3 and verse 19, it says to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Now for us, it, 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 it means that for us, because we are not God, God is. So, so God, all right, so God is love. We are not love, God is love. But see, once we receive the eternal life so that we can know him in John 17, two and three, so that we can know him and have that eternal life in 1 John 5, 11, so that we can have it then he brings us into, and he's preparing us now because we have that eternal life in us. He's constantly revealing to us the fullness of his purpose and his pleasure, which is Christ. He's he's preparing us now for that, but then he's going to bring us into that eternity. And that's what Ephesians 3 and verse 19 is teaching. So he's he's going to teach us by showing us in eternity now, face-to-face in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Each of us will hear it in that specific way. Each of us. And that will be the reason why that we have fellowship with one another for all eternity, because we're always receiving it. But then we're, we're in eternity and it's going to continue without disturbance or without distraction. So, His purpose, his purpose, literally, and and, and his pleasure. So we see, okay, so we look at two things. So Isaiah 43 and verse 7, it says that we were created for his glory. Whose glory? Christ's glory. We were created for Christ's glory. John the 17th chapter brings that out, that all of us, and, and, and we have to look at it. Look at, at John 17, 1 through 26, as I was looking at that uh, this morning. So when the Father, when, when in, in this sense, and in, in this eternal agreement, you know, the Father, the father gave the Son, and in doing so, he was giving him to himself. <laughs> Propitiation. To be propitiated. And and in doing so, then in that eternal agreement, then he could give him to us as a substitute, whereby. And here's the facts. Whereby, look, listen to this one. This one we are already reconciled fully. God's viewpoint, eternal. Christ, the Lamb, Revelations thirteen eight, slain from the foundation of the earth. What's that? That's eternity. Think about that. And the works finished from or before the foundation of the earth, Hebrews 4 and verse 3, long before that. So so what? So you have this purpose and this pleasure of God, right? And so there's no differentiation between the two. And it, it, it is this exchange. But for us, you see, so... In John 1.18, no created being has ever seen God in all His fullness. No one's ever seen Him in all His fullness, but that's why Jesus Christ has spelled Him out. That's what it says there, literally. He's spelling Him out. He exegeted Him. <laughs> he exegeted Him, and when and then when it says it doesn't say no man because that's italicized, like in the King James. In other versions. Now, it's no created being, no angel, fallen or unfallen, has ever seen him in all his fullness, but only Jesus the Son has. But for us to understand that and to experience in a finished work reconciliation, to to experience his pleasure, his purpose, (laughs) so. In all of it, all of it at once. It's 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 in one way. It's 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 so far be be beyond us. It's it. But it's still ours as we grow, whether we whether we experience it or not. It's still ours. But I mean, for us to understand that all of this is all at once in God's mind. All at once. And that's why, First uh, John three twenty. It says that if our heart, our mind's condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows all things. Yeah, okay. What do you mean all? That? Yeah, He knows all things, and He knows them in this exchange with his, with the Father and the Son. And when we even think of this, the Son, the Son. How do we? How do you explain? I just believe these things because they're they're over me, but yet. I know I still trust God for them because I'm going to grow in them for all eternity. And I'm going to grow in them for all eternity I am. But how do I how do I explain this? God the Father, God the Son and, and God the Holy Spirit have always been, yet the Son was eternally begotten by the Father. Yeah. <laughs> huh? Well, that's what it says. That's what it says, but in that in that, there's this incredible purpose and pleasure, incredible purpose and pleasure. You'll see it again, you know, it's Ephesians 1.9, it's Ephesians 11 and 12. And then it goes right into 13 and 14 for that reality. And so for us to experience these things, that's why in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, we have to grow in grace. Well, who is that? That's Jesus Christ in John 1.14. We go and we grow in grace and knowledge. And the grace means really, and it's always literally in the passive voice, listen, it's grace. No man can know these things. We have to be shown them. We have to. We have to. So, so that we function. So Isaiah 43 and verse 7, we were created for his glory. And what is God's purpose and his pleasure? It's to glorify his son glorified him. You see that in John 13, 31 and 32. The Father said I have already, I'm glorifying you now because I already have glorified you. And when we see in Jesus Christ high priestly prayer the most intimate exchange between the Father and the Son when Jesus Christ was still in his impeccable humanity on the earth prior to the cross but looking at it looking at it He said, I've already finished the work in John 17 in verse 4. I've already finished it. I'm just going to go and it's going to be manifested. Now, now I want the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the earth. And if you look at 17, that's verse 5 of John 17. But if you look at 17 and verse 12. And then you'll look at that with verse 24. We're going to see things that are, and we're going to learn them because we have to. He's been glorified. He is glory. He is the glory of God, the Father, and the Son, and this eternal embrace in John 1.1 as the Son of God. But now he's talking about also his humanity as the Son of Man, glorified. Now, when I think of all of that, when I think of all of that, Okay, so what do I see? What do I see? It goes back to, to Psalm 8 and verse 4. It goes back to Hebrews 2 and verse 6. What is man that you are mindful of him? Was there ever a greater manifestation of, his, of the glory of his grace and truth? That's what the gospels call called. It, it is this. It is the gospel of of the glory and grace of Jesus Christ. That's how it's it's literally said, by the way. But we have this, we we go into this glory, we enter into it, and we're growing in it now, and prepared for a face-to-face meeting. But what we will see with that individually, in Revelations 2 and verse 17, that is going to be so specific to each of us individually. (laughs) <laughs> the hidden manna, the hidden manna, the hidden manna. Oh, how many knew Christ when he walked the face of the earth? How, how many really, truly understood? Even the disciples, was just constantly oh, lear, trying to learn and trying to grasp certain things and just like, whoa, <laughs> still following him. And it's sort of like where we are now. You know, we just, these things are so far but of, above us, but we have far more than they ever had. So we were created for his glory, Isaiah 43, 7, right? And we were created in Revelations four eleven for his pleasure. So when I see pleasure and purpose, I understand this now, where he's glorifying his son who glorified us. And out of that, out of that is the Holy Spirit. And he becomes the measure of us as our teacher. In 1 John 2.20, we all have that unction. The unction is, is God, the Holy Spirit, given to us. And we know that based upon 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 3. No man that has the spirit of the Lord will ever say to Christ, you're accursed or anathema. Never. You couldn't say that. And that's why Paul, when he said, in in Acts nine and verse six and seven, he said, "Lord, what will you have me to do?" We know instantly he was he re- had received Christ as the savior. And the whole time prior to that, killing the body of Christ in John sixteen two and thinking he's doing God's service. Oh boy, that's what man. When Christ is not the experiential purpose and pleasure of God in us, who what else would it be? Then we seek to glorify ourselves. But we see how God eliminated that in Galatians 6 and verse 14. God forbids that I should glory, except in the cross, where the greatest demonstration of the purpose, the pleasure and glorifying of the Son who glorified the Father was manifested in the height of evil. We see the height of Satan. And in Luke 22 and verse 53, that became his hour and power of darkness. That was the, in terms of the earth and bringing in eternal realities. <clears throat> but we know that, that what they thought was their hour in, in Luke 22 and verse 53, it was truly the hour of the Son to, be, to glorify the Father in the highest sense so that the Father could glorify him and give him to us as the substitute because obviously he was uh, propitiated. But we see it because had they known that things, they didn't know it. They never would have crucified the son. Wow. That's 1 Corinthians 2.8. And that's why the two, 1 Corinthians 2.8, to understand the fullness of that, to understand the fullness of the glory and purpose and pleasure of God the Father with Jesus Christ the Son in this exchange life. For that to happen, obviously we know that that Christ had to give himself as a sacrifice because the reality of it is everything that, that God is bringing to us right now and then some and all at once beyond was always is his eternal mind. 1 John 3.20, he knows all things. If our our minds condemn us, God is greater than our minds, and he knows all things. He knows them all. But as we grow in his love, this is this love-life relationship exchange of the glory of the Father and the Son with tremendous purpose and pleasure. Then we we look at those things. we, We could never see them apart from Christ. But the whole thing is, what is man? What what is man that he that that you're you're mindful of him? I'll tell you why. It was the man Christ Jesus. It was the Lamb. That's who. And look, we're in him. Christ in you. Look, Colossians one twenty seven. Listen, there's no glory without a purpose. There's no pleasure without a purpose. And there's no purpose. Without a pleasure. In other words, God doesn't do things arbitrarily. He doesn't. He doesn't do them in an, in an ambiguous way. He doesn't. You know? And, and James 1:17, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down. It has to come down. Obviously, we couldn't go up. It has to come down. So every good gift and every complete gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. <clears throat> and, of course... We know the, who the light was that came out of that love-life relationship, and that was Jesus Christ, and that is Jesus Christ. And that's why we are children of light. We're not, we're not, the, we're not in this sense. We're not children of love, for instance, like God is love, and because God is love, First John 4, 8 and 16. Herein is love in First John four ten. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. Okay, so Revelations 2 and verse 4, they left their first love. What is first love? Well, it's John 1, 1, and 2, and 3, and 4, and 5, right through 9. He is the light that lights every man that comes into the world. And again, that doesn't have anything to do, again, with Quakerism and, and all these, you know, that believe that man fell, but he still had light. Christ was the light. And is the light in John eight twelve, And the darkness never overwhelms uh, the light in and, and John 1 <clears throat> and, and verse 5. And in 1 John 1, 5, here then is the message that God is light and him is no darkness. And that's why in, in Ephesians 5, 8 and 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, we're children of the light. And when we have that light, experience it. Then we have the purity, and in that purity, we see the love that we're brought into. <laughs> and this is something we're going to learn for all eternity. God's purpose. I mean, I, I just can't even. It's just, <clears throat> well, in, in Romans 11, 33 and 34, well, Romans 11, 33 and 36, it's incomprehensible right now without God, the Holy Spirit. Who is the unction in 1 John 2.20? Who is that anointing in 1 John 2 and verse 27? And God doesn't need... God the Holy Spirit, the anointing, doesn't need anything from man to reveal himself. It's not how... It's not like some of the things we might have learned previously. Like there's all this 26 different kinds of anointings. Like somehow if if we're like this, then it's showing that God's... No. And nothing to do with feelings or emotions, not a single thing. They're eternal facts. So purpose, without a purpose, this this thing in our own lives, without a subtle purpose, and does that have to do with a plan, an eternal plan? That's Acts 2 and verse 23. God and his determinate counsel and foreknowledge. What's that? going back to John 1, verse 1. It's eternity. It's the all-knowing all at once. Allowed his son and, and his son to be crucified. To be crucified. Because how else could God reveal the glory of his son, his purpose, and his pleasure? That's why it says... In Matthew 3 and verse 17 and 17 and verse 5, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear you, Him. His pleasure. And we were created for it. In Revelation 4 and verse 11, we were created for His pleasure. Where? We're created in Christ Jesus. That's where. And that has to do, God's whole purpose to make Himself known in an eternal way. And I want to think about this too. That the, church, the angels are going to continue for all eternity. To look into the things of the church and learn about their creator. In 1 Peter 1.12 at the end of that verse. Which things the angels desire to look into. You know what? They're learning and looking right now. And that's their training right now. Many scholars and other scholars have, had, have said the church on this earth right now, as they look in and bend low and humble themselves and look in, the church is the university for the angels. What must it be for us? And that's to understand too. And, and uh, Colossians 1 and verse 27, Christ in you, the hope, and hope there's guarantee by the way. God doesn't have his hope in things and this maybe they'll come true. No. And that's why hope never never makes a shame in Romans 5.5. Why? Because the love of God is poured out and he did. And boy was it manifested on Calvary. In the midst of the great, the whole pivotal point of evil coming against when they thought it was their hour and power of darkness in luke 22 and verse 53 became the hour where where God the Father would reveal the glory the purpose and the pleasure that they've always had can you imagine in this eternal counsel and determinant counsel it says in Acts two and verse 23 and then, and then what you know like all, all of a sudden now you know, here they are, <laughs> here's God, right? And and they're having this love-life relationship, and all of a sudden they say, hey, let's stop, and let's just think about this, what we can do. No, it was all at once. It didn't begin to be. God didn't begin. He did not begin to be. He is. <laughs> and that's the I am. That's what he's declaring in Exodus 3 and verse 14. That's what Jesus declared. In John 8 and verse 58, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> and who is the I am? The purpose, the pleasure, and the glorification of God the Father. And, and and in doing so, then in doing so, he glorified the Son. And that's why in him, in him, in Colossians 1 and verse 27, in him, Christ in you, the guarantee of glory. That's why it says, and again in Romans 8 and verse 18, that I reckon, legizomai, legizomai is really what the Greek says. Legizomai, it literally means, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy. You, you think, uh, think of, say, a lifetime in Psalm 90, verse 10 a three score and 10, if by reason 80. Average lifespan. What is that compared to all eternity with him? He, he made us, God, in giving his son to propitiate himself and, and for us <clears throat> to receive him as our substitute and, and to be reconciled. He, he gave his son to make us his son's own to bring us into this relationship. And, of course, we have eternal life, but we have that eternal life. We do. But we're going to grow in that love, continue in it, in that love for all eternity. But that has to do with God's purpose. And that brings out, it brings out his full nature, character, and essence. What is God like? Who, who, who is like him? I mean... You read Isaiah the 40th chapter who, who's he like who can you compare him to he's incomparable his ways in Romans 1133 and 34 his ways are past finding out so in other words in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 16 who's sufficient for these things who is sufficient for these things Christ is in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 5 he's our sufficiency because he's glorified the Father being his purpose and being his pleasure and now what are we in him God is pleased oh can you, can you imagine us hearing this the right way that we're in him already where all his pleasure is located immutable and unchangeable his eternal purpose if if we read that Ephesians 1, 1 through 23, into into chapter 2, into chapter 3. Boy, oh boy. It's all Christ. It's all Christ. But but we see that, we see that in the God man. That's the only way we can see it. And that's why he's he put on humanity. He put on humanity first and foremost as the Propitiatory sacrifice, not only the the helisterion, but the helasmos, the place and the very substance of it, in those two Greek words. uh, Boy, I tell you, these things, and, and they're just as true and just as immutable and unchangeable as God is Himself. And that even explains Ephesians 2 8 through 10. You and I are saved by grace. And to be saved also means in 1 Peter 1, 1.5 to be kept, by the way. And that brings out, that brings out John 6, 37 and 39. And, and in John 10, 28 and 29. We're in his hands and no man can take us out. So that happened as a result of eternal life. And what can, what can change that in time? We trust him for our eternal life. You can't trust him for the details of life. We've got to question him? <laughs> to do that is, is in some form, is to question the fact that, the, that he's already been glorified and that his purpose has been already accomplished and that all his pleasure is in Christ and we're in him. That's why, again, in 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, we're children of the light. We are of the light, of means constituted of the exact same substance. And this, is, this is a tremendous thing. So God is going to work out all of these realities because God has known them in his eternal mind. And how long will that take God to reveal? <laughs> oh boy, phew, it's so amazing. It's so incredible when we, when we see this. And this brings in so many other things. It just brings in the full mind. We have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2 and, 6, 2 and verse 16. doesn't mean we know it all right now because we don't. And that's 1 Corinthians 8, 1 to 3. We don't. But boy, what we can have now with a submitted will and what we will have for all eternity to experience. And he's preparing us, he's preparing us for that face to face meeting in first Corinthians thirteen and verse twelve and it's brought out there in the type in proverbs twenty seven and verse nineteen a, a man looks in the water, face answers to face and and really that's in this sense in first corinthians thirteen uh, verse twelve for now we see through a glass darkly the glass is is the word of God we see a reflection, but it's but darkly is by faith. We're not getting the full picture. We already have it, but we're growing in it. But it takes grace to have a proper experience of truth in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. And that means to have Christ uh, in, in his love in that manner, in, in that capacity of our growth in John 1 and verse 16. Of his fu- and then so uh, John 1 verse 16, of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. That's, that's not an eternal realities, by the way. Right? Grace has to do with the eternal nature and character and essence of God Almighty. It's something that him in his nature, character and essence has to flow through and function in and through. And that's through grace. And that's why grace in the New Testament is always in the passive voice. We don't do anything. We just receive it. But then once we do, now we begin to, in the middle voice, we begin to participate, and have this exchange as far as we can in our growth. We begin to participate. So the middle voice is now the grace that was, the, the grace there that was in, in this beautiful way, provenient, which was still given to us apart from our will. You want to talk about passive? That's provenient grace. Now, now becomes active as we receive it and we function now in the middle voice, means that we begin to participate with him and understand Ephesians and uh, Hebrews 2.10, 11, both he that sanctifies and them that are sanctified are all of one. All of one of what? It's his glory. God's purpose and God's pleasure is Christ, but we're in him. We're in him. And we grow in him, again, in 2 Peter 3 and, and verse 18. And so all of these things, and God right now is preparing us because now we know in part, we do know in part, but then when that which is done away with, then we come face to face with him. That doesn't mean we're not going to grow in that love. It just means no, no more disturbance, no more distraction, nothing. will ever again interfere Listen to this. Interfere with us individually with Christ first and foremost and then for all others, for all eternity. (laughs) And so God is teaching us if we read 1 John 4, 8 and go all the way down through to the 20th verse. You know, no man can say that he loves God and hates his brother. He's teaching us about this love life and that love life is Jesus Christ who's the light that came out in the purity of who he was to reveal it to us cuz as we've been taught too that love is the active energy of God's nature when did that start and when will it end <laughs> and then but out of that came the light the purity of his nature that that refuses to be mixed with anything other than his glory his purpose his pleasure of which we are created in him uh, Revelations four eleven is in Ephesians two eight through ten. We are saved by grace through faith, and that not even of ourselves, but it's a gift of God, and none of works, lest any man should boast. And the cross has eliminated all that boasting in Galatians six and verse fourteen, Ephesians two ten. For we are His workmanship, His workmanship, as you asked, Mike, is bringing out Philippians two twelve and thirteen. Work out your own salvation your whole Christian life your whole life in Christ from beginning to receive him as Lord and Savior and then the growing in that so Philippians 2.12 work out your own salvation with a reverence and a trembling verse 13 for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his, his good pleasure which is purpose which has to do, God's purpose is to glorify His Son who glorified Him. And then we need the power of the Holy Spirit now to bring that out to us. And that again is 1 John 2, 20. 1 John 2, uh, the whole chapter, 1 through 28. I mean, that whole thing, that whole chapter is beautiful as we watch the flow of that. And then as we're learning here below, as his dearly beloved children in Ephesians 5.1, to walk in love so that we experience how we are his dearly beloved children because we've been accepted in Ephesians 1.6 in the beloved. And to be in the beloved is to experience the full, complete satisfaction of, of the father being glorified by the son, which, which, which is his purpose and his pleasure. And he has that with us. Oh, well, (laughs) it's just so, it's so much. It is so much. And uh, we don't like to be weak, do we? We don't like to be weak, but that's God's way. In Psalm 102 and verse 23, he has to weaken our strength and shorten our days on the way where we don't function in it. To the glory of God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son and experience his purpose which is immutable and unchangeable and to experience that pleasure which is just as immutable and unchangeable as the purpose and the glory that's accomplished it. These are amazing things boy I tell you. He's got so much to say to us. He has so very much to say and no wonder the sevenfold hearing of the church in Revelations 2, 7, 11 17 and 29. Uh, Revelations 3, 6, 13 and 22. The sevenfold hearing Hear, Oh, hear what the Spirit is saying to us. What the Spirit says unto the church and the church is who we are in Christ. We are his church in Matthew 16 and verse 18. We don't have a particular church. We are the church. No separation. No separation from it any more than God could ever be separated from the son and the son ever separated from him. God, this, God, the son of man, ever be separated from him in that sense. And so that's why if any man says that he loves God and hates his brother, well, it's, that's just pretending in Romans 12 and verse 9. That's, that's, that's not allowing love. Uh, to be real in you, and then when you don't experience it, we function as a hypocrite or a pretender. We pretend, you know? So, anyway, those are some of my, well, my, sure. <laughs> those are some of the thoughts of God given to us, and they're all of ours, just as much as to anyone. You just, when we think about it, all this is the babes in First John 2.12. All of this is the young man's. And the spiritual dads. But we're all growing. <laughs> it's all the same. Not the same in, in a sense of experience and maturity by pure grace and truth. No. No. But that's why the spiritual, the spiritual dad has to speech the, preach the young men and women. And then the young men and women can in turn, in proper place, as brought out in 1 Timothy, Titus, and 2 Timothy, uh, teach the babes. And because God does all things decently and in order in 1 Corinthians 14 40, and God's order is Jesus Christ, who glorified him, who is the fullness of his literal his pleasure. You think about it. <laughs> I mean, the Pharisees rejecting him. He's the full thought, the full pleasure, the full glorification and delight of God the Father in human form. <laughs> oh boy. Oh Lord. And God forbid that I, me, I, oh boy, should just resist that love. And resist it, you know, through private interpretation. Just think about that. I can interpret God. Well, then if I did, I would have to go back in eternity and be one with him in the Godhead. (laughs) And we see the impossibility of that, you know. All, all 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 is saying, and it didn't have anything to do with the will of man. It had to do with Christ who in John 4 and verse 34 and in Psalm 47 and 8 fulfilled the will of the Father, came to actually declare it. That's why he could even say, even prior to the cross, I've already glorified you, Father. I finished the work. And I'm going to go sh- and reveal it. And the greatest manifestation and declaration of your love Really, even in one sense, in time, but from an eternal viewpoint, beaming down in time, the cross. Boy, so amazing. So if you're ever wondering if you count, if you've received Christ as your Savior, and if you count, what are your plans? Well, you know, God's thoughts have to do with the plan of His Son in you. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. He knows his thought towards us. The thoughts of peace are not evil. So we experience his settled plan. And when was that plan settled? When did it begin to be settled? When did God start knowing everything? Or did he have to grow to get to know it? Know something outside of himself to use something. What could be outside of himself? Couldn't be anything. Knows everything all at once. As long as he's ever been. And that's what man is mindful of. That's what you, but he's seeing us in Christ. Obviously, and that's based upon, you can even see that in Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. And that's why all scriptures, in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scriptures are given by God breathing. And that's why you don't tear them apart. It's one whole living organism. One whole living organism. And that's why, again, even uh, Jesus said, the, the scriptures the scriptures cannot be broken they cannot you can't section them out you you cannot and I cannot section them out and that's what he was telling the Pharisees too. I'll just read this verse and then then we can we can uh stop this morning and then maybe have some uh questions or comments that we'll all trust God to reveal to us and uh in John ten, and, and and what a beautiful illustration of this! If you read the whole chapter of John the tenth chapter, look. If you read John John ten. In in the very first chapter, it's it's in John ten all the way through. You look at it, and by the time you get to verse thirty-five, when he's talking to the Jews, he called them gods or rulers. That's the better interpretation: judges and rulers, unto whom the word of God came, that's what made them proper rulers if they functioned in it and proper judges in that sense uh, came and, and the scripture cannot be broken. Well, at what point in the eternal scriptures in time can they be broken? That will do away with all the nonsense of hyperdispensationalism. Cut it off. How did I, you mean Christ wasn't revealed in Genesis? Who was the Creator? <laughs> Who was forming, man, out of the dust of the ground? Adam and breathing into him the breath of lives, reproductive ability. Supernatural, too, by the way. things that we take for granted, huh? Everything about us is supernatural. but we keep ourselves together. Ugh. Even the human body, my God! Some of these doctors and everything—how can you, de- you, you? If you really get into it, how you would, its not that you deny him, not knowing him; it's just you just deny him and don't want him. You study the human body, yeah, and look at us—here we are. Look at me—I'm <laughs> doing all this, and. <laughs> Because I designed it and I did all these things. Gosh. Scriptures cannot be broken because they reveal Jesus Christ the Son, the glory of the Father, the glory of himself, the very purpose of God, the very pleasure of God, in whom is all his delight and the fullness of his desire. And no wonder it says in Psalm 37 in verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. Make Him your all. Then you won't have to try and go about and get things and add things in your life that aren't from Him to cause you to be delighted. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. You know what that means? In the way that He created us in our own individuality, we said the other day, not one star is not alike. You can't, and You can't number them. Number all every snowflake that ever fell upon the face of the earth. Think, you think the human mind can compute them? You think man can come up with a computer that could do that? You can't number them. And not one is alike, and that's you and I in him. And he wants to fill us with desires and delight that the Son has accomplished to the Father and for us to fill us up to bring out him like only that individual can. Look at you should see those snowflakes, like under a microscope. Oh my God, how precise they are It's so phenomenal, so phenomenal, so phenomenal anyway those are those are some of the thoughts that uh That I'm receiving with you, by the way, <laughs> I'm not going to say, well, those are some of the thoughts that I have, and I want to share them with <laughs> you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We already have the treasure in these fragile clay jars. You know, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, that treasure is God the Son glorified. God's purpose. God's pleasure. God's very delight. Boy, I'll tell you, the things that that he wants to reveal to us, I, I believe, honestly, even now on this earth, in these these times that we have, he wants to really reveal them to us in a very deep way. In a very deep way. Not in a comparative way. Come on, how do you... Can you hear... Here's one snowflake and hear the other. Here, here, here. Uh, My snowflake is better than your snowflake. (laughs) Created. And all his creation in its proper place is a manifestation of him in his glory. All of it. Does anyone have any thoughts?